This morning as we come uh, together, I'd like to take a few moments and uh, once again talk to you about uh, spiritual disciplines. And, um, you know, not everybody who looks like a, a winner in life is a winner. And that separation comes from uh, the personal disciplines that are part of that person's life. And, uh, you know, as we, we think about that today, you, you probably have seen people in the world who seem to have it all together, and yet some aspect of their lives was not uh, disciplined. And because of that one area of undisciplined living, you know, they never really become what it is they could become, you know. And as a believer, as a Christian, you know, I know that God, we are saved by grace, we are kept by grace, but, uh, you know, we grow because of faith and faithfulness and God's increase, you know. And so if you want to grow, you want to mature, you want to be all that God has purposed for you to be in this life, it requires that we uh, put into place some disciplines in our personal lives, things that will uh, help us to grow. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we read this the last time that we came. And uh, in verse 24, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, uh, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, But we, for an imperishable crown, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's living and it imparts life. It is truth, and it is all true. And so, Father, we thank you for it, and we pray that your word would, Lord, uh, continue uh, to seed uh, the things in our hearts that, Lord God, you seek to grow and to uh, produce out of. And so, Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit in this place. We praise you. We worship you today, and we know who our God is. And we're not afraid. We're not ashamed. And we are very much convinced that God has all things in his hands. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I brought everything up. Did I, did I bring my phone? You have my phone? I need to make a call. Uh, uh, just if you have it. Not really, but I do would like to have it if you... Do you have it? You don't? Was it raptured? Okay. Well, no, it's right here. See, that's the thing. I wanted to share something with you that God had uh, put on my heart here. And, um, you know, it's um, a word that I believe God has placed uh, before us. You know, I, I say this today, we've got, we've got to live like champions. We've got to live like those who truly believe that the Lord is undefeated. We talk it, now we've got to live it. We've got to, we focus too much on what the news says and not enough on what the word says. We're spending more time listening to commentary 
and uh, political and social and all these things. I'm not saying we should be ignorant of those things, but, you know, the church, we understand something. If you listen to enough of that, your faith is going to come under attack because then everything is, uh, is really flavored by uh, the, 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 the spirit of the world. And we're no longer being fed and nurtured from God's word and nurtured in the things that are uh, indisputable and infallible inspired. And so I want to encourage you today, let, let's l- really prayerfully consider what our commentary is. What are we speaking? What are we saying? Who here knows who we are today? Do you know who you are today? Church, are you with me? <laughs> Do you know who you are today? Because if you know who you are, then you realize that uh, the world doesn't give us our talking points. And we need to stop talking like the world. And we need to talk like people of faith. And I'm not here in any way to chastise or to rebuke. That's not my point. It's just as I, I, I look, the, the, world, the church has to be the beacon and the light. I mean, we've got to be the ones speaking hope. If all we're doing is echoing what we're hearing on social media and on television, and that's all, we, that's all, we're, that's all we're saying, we're not saying anything of any real eternal significance. We're not saying anything spiritually powerful. We're not saying anything that is effectual. We are citizens, and we need to to be good citizens, and we need to give all that we have to being the best citizens we can, to support, to be part of. But listen, our real citizenship is in heaven. How many know your primary citizenship is in heaven as a believer? It's not your second home. It's your primary residence. I want you to hear that today because it's important. Heaven is not our secondary home. It's our primary residence. And if that's the case, then we talk and we speak from the constitution that governs our real habitation. The outcome of all things will uh, be decided by um, what the church is becoming. You know, what each and every believer becomes. You know, the world does not decide that. You know, the greatest concern that we have today is not what the world is becoming. It's what is the church becoming? What are we becoming? Because the world isn't our hope, right? That's not where our hope lies. I mean, we're, we're, we're the life givers. We're the light The only hope that this world has is seated in this room right here. You say, well, no, it's God. Well, aren't you ambassadors of God? Because if it's God and you're his ambassadors, then it goes to reason that it's critical that you and I are becoming stronger in our faith, bolder in our profession. We're speaking heaven's declarations. Come on now, not just on Sunday. It's easy to do this stuff on Sundays. But tomorrow morning when you get up and you face another day out in the world among those who don't know Christ and in, in this world of 
the hard, heartache and pain and sorrow, you know, this is where we need to be speaking this stuff. This stuff needs to be released in every workplace, in every neighborhood, in every community. Come on, church. You know, this, this stuff has to be established because we're, we're not, we're, we're this, you know, we don't live this thing simply on Sundays, amen? Because if this is all we got, it's really no different than what the world has. If this doesn't translate into a life lived in faith and lived with a heavenly distinction, then we're just doing the same thing everybody else does, and we're really committing uh, two, or th- two hours of our time on Sunday to go to church. But we believe that God is launching something today. That God is inspiring something. He is bringing us together in a corporate declaration that we can declare who he is. Amen. How many didn't come here to church today to hear current events? You know what what the most current event is? It's God. Because when God redeemed you, he redeemed your past, your present, and your future. How many believe that today? God redeemed my past, my present, and my future. I think we do a grave disservice to God when our focus is more on the world and what it's doing than on God and what he's doing. You say, well, you don't know how bad it is. You know, okay. What, do we admire ourselves down into how bad it is? Do we put that ball and chain around our neck as though it's ours to carry into this life how bad things really are and how terrible they are? You know what? We believe that God can transform darkness into light. He can, take, he can make death alive. He can make sorrow joyful. Come on, if you believe that today, join with me, right? You believe that God can turn joy, he can turn sorrow into joy. He can, take, he can turn uh, conflict into peace. And I believe this morning that God's going to do that, and I want to be at the forefront of what God does in my lifetime. The outcome of all things will be decided by what the church is becoming, what each born-again believer becomes. The world does not decide that. The world does not decide who you will be in Christ. Come on, church. It does not decide your faith. You know, we're worried about them legislating our rights, and and we should be concerned, but understand this. They can't legislate what God has called us to do, right? They don't, the, the world doesn't legislate that. I mean, we can pray in a desert. We can pray in a great cathedral. We can pray as many have in a prison cell. We can worship the king of kings, the king of glory anywhere. Nobody can legislate that out because that's spiritual, right? How many are alive inside today? There's a life inside of you that the world didn't give to you and it can't take it from you, Right? The world didn't give you that life. How many here will affirm and say, God cannot, God alone gave me this life. And the world can't take it from me. And I'm going to move into this message real quickly. But uh, the government, the social elite, and the news networks do not nullify what God wills that his church become. 
The reflection of the church is not found in the muddy pools of spiritual compromise or moral depravity, but in the crimson flow of Christ's redeeming blood. Here's the thing. It's now time for Holy Spirit-filled believers to prayerfully overwhelm every destructive lie. Come on, let's come against every lie that has, has wrapped itself around our, our, our nation, around our neighborhoods, around our schools, around the political venue, around the media. You know, Satan is a usurper, and he's able to, to worm his way into a lot of places. But how many know that we can pray powerful prayers? How many believe the church can still pray powerfully? Not just simply repetitive, routine prayers, scripted prayers, powerful prayers. But you know what that requires? A solid scriptural foundation and a, 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 an infilling of the Holy Spirit and an intimate relationship with God. You can't pray powerful prayers without those things. And it says, uh, as, as uh, the Lord had given to me, it says it's now time for the Holy Spirit, for Holy Spirit-filled believers to prayerfully overwhelm every destructive lie with God's inspired truth, to love those for whom Christ died rather than avoiding the Jericho Road because of personal inconvenience, indifference, or fear. How many remember the Jericho Road where the thief, the thieves overcame the man, beat him up, and left him for dead? You know, that was a, a stretch of road that was between Jerusalem and, and Jericho uh, that was common travel for, for many and a road to be avoided by others. Because it was treacherous and people were injured there. And there was a lot of human drama found on that road. And a lot of people would do what they could to avoid having to travel it. You know, the Jericho Road represents where humanity is today. And there are people who have been victimized. People whom the thief has stolen from. The murderer has assaulted and sought to take life. And we as the church of the living God... We've got to travel that road. We've got to be ambassadors on that road. We have, you know, here, something that was really powerful to me is this. If we withdraw from society because we fear becoming influenced or injured by it, we're making a powerful statement. We're making a statement that we concede to the authority of that which is undeniably deemed greater by course of our actions. We deem it greater than the saving, sanctifying, and hell-destroying power of the gospel. We deem it greater than the Holy Spirit indwelling, and we deem it greater than the redeeming blood of Christ. This is not time for the church to withdraw from the Jericho Road. Come on, church. The world's going to hell, and many of those who are lost are in our own homes. They're in our neighborhoods. They're in our family. They're in our schools, and they need to know that there is a God who can lift them out of the darkness. And who has been assigned to deliver this word to a dying world? The church. 
of the living God. Come on here. How many worship a living God? If you're, if you're bored today, you need to get plugged into the living God and you'll never be bored in his presence. Never. Impossible. When you're juiced up by the life of the living God, you will never find boredom to be a problem. Because there's such energy and power in life. You know, if we withdraw from society and we just do church, and I think that's my fear is that we're just doing church. We do our programs, we do our Sunday, we do our thing. But if we're not connecting with the, un, uh, the world that's unsaved and dying, and we're not building relationships and we're not investing because of fear that somehow we'll become tainted if we get near them if we get involved with them, that somehow it will hurt our reputation. Hey, listen, church. Jesus was slandered because of his relationships with people. But you know something? Jesus was a friend to sinners. And all of us have sinned. How many know in this church today that every one of us have been brought out of that that sin that reigned and ruled over our lives if we know the Lord. So it's always good to remember where we came from. We don't look back at that. There's nothing in the old life that appeals for us. But there's one thing that all of us must know is that when we look at every person and we judge them because of their, the, the, the degree of lostness, there's no one any more lost than a person who thinks they're okay without God. Someone who's living a respectable life apart from God. You know, we're never going to make it into heaven because of our respectability. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that a person will, will be in heaven. You, under, you and I understand today that those who don't know the Lord are lost. That's a hard truth, but that is the truth according to God's word. How many believe the word of God is truth? And it's the fact. The Bible says there's two roads, right? There's two roads. There's two paths that a person can take. The Bible, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I believe we've got something that the world needs. Come on, church. If, if, an, if an unbeliever walks into our gathering today, are they going to see the joy in me and you? Are they going to see us tomorrow at work and see the life of Christ? I pray they will. As we look at this today, and I'm going to close this, this out here. Um, you know, this morning, as I sat and reflected upon what God has spoken in, into my heart, and, and I believe it's a responsibility of every believer and especially of those who lead to hear from the Lord. If we withdraw from society because we fear becoming influenced or, or, or we fear being injured by it, we make a powerful statement. We make a statement of concession that whatever the world is doing is greater than what God has done within us and is doing, and that's not true. If we withdraw from society, the result of such will be that our nets will be empty 
Our nets will be empty. Is that bother, bothersome proposition? That when the church, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And if we, and we just become so internalized and so insular and, so in, in, and become stricken by indifference to what goes on outside of this church, our nets are going to be empty. And there's really, uh, it's a, you know, church, I, the dust on the church seats is never a good sign. When the seats are empty and our churches are empty, and, you know, it's not because we, we've just not pushed the right buttons or uh, put the right thing out there all the time. Sometimes it's simply because we're not investing in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our homes. Is that a hard truth today? Is that a hard word? How many of us, honestly, starting with myself and all, how many of us are invested and connected with people who don't know Jesus? I mean, for the purpose of intentionally being a witness to those who don't know Christ. I'm not talking about how well we can do church now. That's a great thing to be part of discipleship and to be part of fellowship and, and, and worship and, and doing what we do here. That's, that's, it, it, it's, it, it's imperative that we do those things. But what is our investment outside of this? What is our investment in the lives of those who don't know Jesus? Because as much, and here's the problem, and I'm probably not even going to get to my message, so relax. I'm going to maybe spend a little, I was going to talk about getting in condition here spiritually through the disciplines. And, you know, but God had really put this on my heart to share with you today. You know, church, God is sick of hearing us complain. Oh, it's righteous complaining. No such thing. Righteous complaints, righteous whining. You know, if we want to righteously say something, then we need to be on our faces before God. If we're not spending as much time in a, in, 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 in our fa- on our faces, whatever that looks like, you know, literally on your face or you're drawn away, and, and praying over things. Then we really should not, not say anything else about how bad it is. This world is dying, there's no question. How many know that sin is ugly in any form? doesn't matter if it's happening in America where we see certain things happening that are very distressing to all of us or whether it's what's happening around the world today. Sin is cancer and it destroys and it kills. The charge that God is giving us today is that and, and, you know, I'm going to preach again, so now I've just got another message for that day, but you hear me. Uh, I want to say this because if I don't, then I leave here today and I have to answer to him, not you. I don't answer to you. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I don't mean that in it. I'm just saying I've got to, I've got to live with him. And I need to speak what he's put on my heart. So if that is, is soothing or whether that's troubling, I, I, you're going to have to process that.
You know, this morning, I, like probably most of you, are very distressed by a lot of things, very troubled. But I'm finding that most of what I tend to do is not serving the highest calling in my life. When I am so fixated on what's, what they're doing to us and what's happening to the, you know what, you know who is doing what to who. It's always the devil. Using people, instrumental to do certain things, But how many know this is not a battle of flesh and blood? So we need to stop acting like it is. We need to stop talking like it is. Because it shows a lack of spiritual understanding when we are always in constant conflict on a flesh and blood level. This war is only going to be won. And one of the things that I would have talked about today, the prayer closet, whatever that is, that alone place with God. You know, people talk about prayer and fasting and all of these wonderful things, but you know something? To me, it begins on a personal level. Do you have a prayer closet? Do you have a place where you withdraw from the world? I want to encourage you here. I, I don't watch, and I'm just saying for me, it was a choice that I had to make. I don't watch much news anymore. Because I didn't want to come to church here preaching about Joe Biden, Donald Trump. I don't want to come to church here preaching about Washington, D.C. I think we're all educated enough in the things of the world to know that it's not going well. But we have somehow missed something here. This is a spiritual war. And we're acting like it's not. And I'm saying this not to indict anybody. I'm just saying, you know, we've got to awaken to what this really is here. You know, we, we, um, I guess you have to answer this for yourself. How many of us have intentionally, intentionally, prayerfully invested in someone who's not a believer who doesn't know the Lord, and you have made a long-term commitment to befriend those outside of the church. You know, one time we had gone out to eat with someone years ago, and um, it was a couple um, that was living together. And they weren't married, and, and, uh, and, and we, we had gone out and sat and fellowship, talked with them, and they had just come into the church, and, you know, I got a correspondence from one, someone in the church and said, hey, you need to be careful. Do you know what those people are doing? Do you know who they are? I want to tell you something. God knew who you were, and I was, and he still reached out to us. How many here know you're not here by entitlement? I'm not here by entitlement. I'm here by grace. God extended grace that was greater than my sin. That's the wonderful thing is all of us in here understand that nobody's here because of your resume, my resume. There are people who need Jesus. We have the hope. I want to say this. We have the hope. See all these empty seats today? 
I'm going to dare say this. Number one, they won't stay empty if we, we're prayerful. And they won't stay empty if we're out there among those who don't know Jesus, who are living lives apart from him, and we realize the urgency and the importance of our calling, and we share Jesus with them. I want to charge you today that you reach out to your neighbors. I reach, and we need to do the same. Invest in our neighbors and our coworkers and our people. You know, it's not enough for them to like you because they think you're a nice person. They need to see something more than that as a Christian. They need to see there's something more. That there's something about your life that reflects a goodness and a grace and a richness and a humility that draws them to want to know why. How many would love to get that close to people that they want to know what the difference is? It's not standing and thumping people over the head and beating them and telling them how terrible they are. You know, sin is always terrible, but grace is always greater. And I look at the Word of God, and we know that mercy triumphs over judgment because it did so in my life, in your life. I'm going to ask as we get ready to close here this morning, are you okay with me this morning? Because I came to church and I, I, uh, I expected that God was going to speak something different. And then God said, no, I want you to release this word. Everybody likes the word that they have to speak, but if the word doesn't always find agreement with us, sometimes it can be a hard one. And I, I say that today because I think I'm part of the greatest fellowship in uh, Adams County and Pennsylvania. But I know we're all one big church, too, in Christ. In Christ. If we're not in Christ, we're not part of the same. This morning, it's now time for the Holy Spirit-filled believers to prayerfully overwhelm every destructive lie. May there be such an overwhelming fragrance of compassion and redemptive engagement that those held captive, and you know apart from Christ, people are held captive. They're held captive. You know, one of the great things I have realized, uh, I have an eye surgeon who's been done a lot of things in my left eye. And you get to know someone when they are always, you know, getting into parts of your body. You know, you get someone in your eye quite often, uh, you got to know a little bit about them. And he's a mission field for me. Not because I want to say, look there. It's just because Jesus said he's in front of you. Be a light. Share the love of Christ with him. You know, I'm a, I am a criminal. Oh, I don't want to say that. That's not a good word. I am a prolific texter, not criminal. I don't threaten people. I don't send anonymous death threats to people. But I am a, because I believe strongly in communicating with people. And we will, I send them to my doctor. And we're not on a first-name basis. I'm a stalker, right? And I send him a little text, and I'll say, 
I want you to know how much of a blessing you are from God to us. You have been an instrument in his hands to touch our lives. And you know, I thought he would say, please stop texting me weirdo. Because I've never heard him show any indication, and I'm not judging his heart, but I've never seen any indication that he's a person of, you know, of at least outward faith. And he said, thank you, I appreciate that. And he said, and it is my pleasure to take care of you. And I want you to know something. You know, that doctor in front of me is not just servicing my need Paul said he was an ambassador in chains. He had an ambassadorship between the people who were guarding him to share Jesus with him. I would have, never, I would have rather never met this man this way. But God's given me the opportunity. Church, we've got to be opportunistic. We've got people living across the street that we've never looked at that way. That we just don't look at them. They're just neighbors. How many know neighbors to a lot of people is just a bad word? How many of us have never walked across the street? I'm not asking. Walked across the street to engage a neighbor. Have never gone out of our way to do, to do something weird. I'm just, we're not patting ourselves. I'm just saying these are crazy things. You know, this year, Christmas, God put it upon our hearts to to give fruit baskets to our immediate group of neighbors. And some of them, I can tell, don't like us anyhow. And you know what? It was okay. We gave fruit baskets to them because, you know, I want to break the ice. I, you know, people say, oh, it's just so hard for me to get to talk to them. It's not hard when you just do something kind. Any act of kindness and as we close today, I want to say the neighbors that we gave, the, the one neighbor that lives right beside us still barely speaks to us. And that's okay. Because I want to crack through prayerfully and, through, and build a relationship. Church, this church, this church and all churches have no hope. This world has no hope. If we put this light under a basket, if we are not that city set upon a hill for others to be able to see in times of darkness, if that light goes out, the world is done. And that starts here. You know, I want to say this to you this morning that I shared this a while ago, and we're going to close. I'm going to ask whoever's coming to come. Um, I'm going to ask this morning for you to think about this because it's just funny how it works. Uh, you know, you know, a couple of years I've gone over to our neighbors and, and shoveled their snows, and a, a disabled gentleman and his wife, and and uh, we do it and just you know leave, and you know, and then I you know I've gotten because of some of the things. I wasn't sure that I could do it anymore for them. And uh, so I said, uh, I'm going to sell my snowboard. I don't, I just, we'll, we'll figure it out. I just don't, I don't want to, because that thing's like a horse. You know, it's like <laughs> willing you around. And I said, I'd rather just 
you know, do this. And uh, so I sold this thing, and I shared this with you. <clears throat> it wasn't too long after that, he, um, he said to Robin, hey, I want to give your husband my snowblower. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And, you know, what I take of that is this, that uh, that man wanted to make sure that I was still able to do his driveway. And, you know, the crazy thing about it, it's the exact same model as mine. I mean, if you, it's the exact, exact. It looks like mine. I couldn't tell you that it wasn't mine. And I got it back, and you know what I take from that is not only does this dear neighbor want me to continue to do his driveway, but God wants me to do his driveway. That's how this world will see hope. We don't do it all right. I mean, I, you know, our one neighbor is my eye, one of my eyes. He's going to operate on this eye Tuesday. I hope he doesn't hear this part, but his daughter was in front of me pulling out. She just sat there, and I said to Rama, what What are you doing? And you know what? In a sanctified manner, I hit the horn. And, you know, I'll tell you how I, I didn't realize it was her. You know, it would have been different if it were her. I wouldn't have done No, I wouldn't have. But I, I did this, and I, and I just thought to myself, every time I see this young lady, I say to Robin, yeah, that's the girl I beeped at. And uh, I remember what it was that I did to her. And God is saying, what are you going to do? among your neighbors that's worthy of remembrance? What are you going to do among your neighbors that's worthy of remembrance? Worthy of him. You know, this morning as we close our time, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would and Everything works out really the way it needs to and you walk with Jesus. You know, this morning, how many will receive this? May there be such an overwhelming fragrance of compassion and redemptive engagement that those held captive to empty promises, lies, addictions, a culture of dishonor, despair, and lifeless existence, that they will run free of the chains of darkness into the loving arms of the only answer, Jesus the Christ. The presence of the living church made alive in Christ will take possession of God's inheritance in every village, town, city, state, and in every nation around the world. How many will embrace that today, that, that, that word? The presence of the living church made alive in Christ will take possession of God's inheritance in every village, 
town, city, state, and in every nation around the world with fearless, redeeming love in Christ and the manifest power of the Spirit of God, we will see the world one. How many will say yes, amen to that? We want, we, want, we, want, we want to claim God's inheritance in every village, town, city, every neighborhood, every school. We, want, we are going to step into the fields and we're going to claim the inheritance that belongs to God. We must speak as champions rather than the pessimist that taints every conversation with hopelessness. <clears throat> I want to say that again. We must speak as champions rather than the pessimist that taints every conversation with hopelessness. Some have floated the idea that no one is in the White House. And even if that were so, <clears throat> our confidence must be in the exalted one who is always at the throne of grace. Jesus is undefeated. Come on, church. I mean, this is the good, 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 good stuff. Jesus is undefeated. May the Holy Spirit empower us to live as though we truly believe that. You say, what's your scriptural foundation for all that you've said this morning? I, I, I'm going to tell you. If you're taking notes, it begins with Genesis 1.1. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it continues all the way through Revelation 23, 23, verse 18. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. You believe that this morning? That's the foundation. That's the foundation for the word that God has given me to share with you today. So what, are you, what am I saying? I'm saying get into that Bible. Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 23-18. Or 22-18, I'm not sure. 18, whatever. When you read that scripture, that your life is built somewhere upon the context of what's said between the first chapter and the last chapter. How many here will receive empowerment from the God of gods today, the King of glory? Holy Spirit, come down on this house today. Lord God, raise up that which is dying and bring it into life, abundant life. Come on, that's, that's what God is doing this morning all around the world. He's bringing that which is dying into abundant life. And God, whatever in this house, whatever in our hearts, whatever in our home is dying, Lord God, we, we surrender that to you and we say, God, raise that up in life. Raise it up in life. Lord, that these mouths will be, Lord God, vessels and, and instruments in this ambassadorship to declare Christ, to declare Christ. The gospel is not the secondary news. It's the good news. It's the primary news that saves the world. You understand today, it's not the secondary news. It's the primary news. All other news is judged by, in character uh, by the word of the living God. This morning, 
Holy Spirit of God, we come before our Father in Jesus' name and we ask that you would release unto us, Lord God, a a boldness like the boldness that was given to the prophet when he said, you know, that when he had purposed not to speak any longer the words that God had given him, that he couldn't contain it because it was like a fire shut up in his bones. Lord, we pray for Holy Spirit fire to kindle the hearts of every person in this house today. Lord God Almighty, Lord God Almighty, you are worthy of glory and worthy of praise and worthy of honor. Lord, you are the news. You are the good news. You're the saving news. You're the light news. God, you're the the news that brings hope to the world that's dying. Lord, we don't need more commentary from Lord, we help us to stop bowing at the altar, Lord God of hopelessness. Help us, Lord God, to stop sacrificing faith and hope and love at the altar of hopelessness and and darkness. God, we will not. Lord, we are going to walk in life and hope. You know, there's some people that could be walking in in a rainstorm with everyone else, and yet they walk as though the sun is shining fully. And that's the image that I see God calling the church to. There can be those that are hunkered down and hiding, fearful. And God says, I want you to take a walk among the the dangers and the the hardships and and the struggles of man. Because you are appointed and called by me. You have, you know, here, here's something. God, God has called us to this. God has called us to this. Do you hear this morning that when you leave this world, there, there will be, I believe, an accountability for what we've done with what we've been given. For the opportunities that we have either taken, we receive reward. It says we will be rewarded for the things that we have done. It doesn't say we will be rewarded for the things that we thought about doing but never got around to. That we might lay those treasures and those riches at the feet of the King of Kings, of King of Glory. How many here will say, God, I've got, to, I've got to be a witness today. I've got to be a witness. God, I want to be intentional. I want to be Holy Spirit filled. I want to be prayerful. Lord God, I don't want to be just another voice saying the same thing that the, the lost and the hopeless are saying. Lord, I don't want to say, I don't want to be the voice of CNN. And I don't even want to be the voice of Fox. I want to speak what God is saying. Come on, church. I'm going to be the voice that is speaking what God has to say, what God is delivering. Judge Sin brings judgment and death, and that is certain. But you know something? We are to, to run as heralds with diligence and focus, and we are to tell everyone we meet that there is a hope, and there is a life, and there is something better than you have ever seen, ever tasted, ever experienced. There is, there is somewhere you can go that is greater than any place that you've ever been. Lord, I pray we'll take charge of our neighbor, our families, Lord God, that we'll love our families into the kingdom. We'll love them, Lord God. We'll not suffocate them with religion, but we'll love them into the kingdom of God. We'll forgive, Lord God. I am so sick of self-righteous 
uh, attitudes and dispositions that we set ourselves sometimes up in and we look at the sins of others and we, we hammer them and we hold them in contempt. And God is saying, God wants the truth to be uh, liberating and f- to set free, not to destroy, not to destroy. God wants to destroy the works of darkness. He wants to destroy. God did not create hell for the purpose of consigning his beloved creation into its depths. He actually says it was created for the devil and his minions. It's not God's will that any should perish. He's long-suffering, not as men count long-suffering. But he is... He's long-suffering. God, give us compassion in place of hardness. Lord, make us get out of this building. Make us get out of our homes. Make us get out of our comfort zone. Dislodge us. As we close today, uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Tammy to lead in a song, if you would, and then to, to pray over this group of folks. But I want, I want you to keep this image in your mind. The snowblower I tried to get rid of because I didn't want to do something for someone came back to me. Because God said, I am not finished in that relationship. And I believe God's not releasing you. Not releasing you. God loves you. God loves your family. He loves your friends. He loves the people that we routinely see. And we've got to somehow communicate the love of God to them. By word and by deed. Hallelujah. Tammy, would you lead us? Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.